I'm Michael Laurie and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello and welcome to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide. So the pool stage of the World Cup is done and dusted and Ireland's fears have been realised it's New Zealand in the quarters. So with us to discuss the weekend's action and begin to look ahead to the big game, it's Jonathan Bradley. Hi Eric, how's it going? Not too bad at all Jonathan, thank you for joining us on the line once again. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your weekend first of all, obviously the, the typhoon hit Japan, how did that impact you? It's it's very strange because you know you were watching it on the news in Fukuoka, which fair enough is whatever it is, 800 odd miles away, um, but it felt very, very, very far away, it didn't feel any mm-hmm. different to watching it on the news at home because it was so, the weather there was so detached to what we were getting um, in the south of Japan. Yeah, and then really the only sort of I suppose the only impact it made on that part of the country was you know the transport links to to um, central Japan being cancelled I suppose yeah so you've had a big day of, of travelling today to make up for that then yeah um, obviously I think I pushed back a bit or pushed back a day then we had to um, change hotels and stuff but um Obviously, when you see like the footage of everything that's been going on every time you put the news on and stuff, it's um, you're not going to complain too much about no. your flights to your trains getting cancelled. No. Obviously, absolutely not. I'm sure you all felt the same as I did whenever we were sort of reporting on the match on Saturday, eh, and the guys on TV, Brian O'Driscoll and everybody else, sort of relayed the fact that talking about rugby while all that was going on seemed a little bit strange. But just what, eh, what has the the full impact of the typhoon been over there? It's. is coming back from here being very positive about Japan and I don't know how people are sort of reacting to that whether it's like um, overload or whatever but like this is a pretty remarkable country like and um, they were their infrastructure is back up and running the next day after their, you know their worst storm in 60 years I think it was like um, obviously not having at home like the West thing would be a swimming pool for like three months Um <laughs> So everything now, like obviously in Tokyo now, and it's raining, um, but nothing major, and everything's pretty much back normal. It was a it was a public holiday in Japan today. Um, can't I don't actually know what it was, but it was a it was a holiday day anyway for everyone. So um, obviously streets were a bit uh, a bit busier during the day and stuff, and you genuinely wouldn't know that there'd been um, I suppose a natural disaster that had claimed. That, um, more than 40 lives over the weekend. Yeah, remarkable. Uh, so, we're obviously here to talk about the rugby. The news fresh with us is that Bondiaki has been handed with a three-week three week ban, which is probably just what we expected. And barring a successful Irish appeal, which is probably unlikely at this stage, his World Cup is over. Uh, not surprised by that, I'm sure. Seen it through at this tournament, like everyone has gone in at that mid level entry point of six weeks. Everybody's had it half to three weeks. It was really only Peter's Francis who I suppose got cited, having not got the red card, but cited and uh, got off. Everyone else has been, it's been remarkably consistent. So I think I wrote it in my comment piece on the final whistle, like um, 
whenever I wrote that about Bundy, I'm saying that his World Cup was over, basically, because mm-hmm. I personally thought this was pretty inevitable. Yeah. And how big a blow is this to Ireland? I think if you... Not to be disrespectful, but I think if you were to lose one of the starters, it would be quite possibly it would be one of the centres, because mm-hmm. you have three test quality starters for two positions. Robbie Henshaw's their best centre, Gary Ringers has been their best player at this World Cup. Um, so it'll be the two of them. And then if you want to, I don't think they will, but if you want to, you can then bring Chris Farrell onto the bench as another option. So mm-hmm. they're very, very well set at centre. Um, more so, I would say, than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like we can talk about the was a position of real depth, and it is, but... Um, Obviously, there's four or five injuries there already. So yeah, yeah. So hopefully, Ireland will uh, will be okay, as you say. When you've Gary Ringrose to come in, it does take a little bit of that uh, the the pain away from that decision. Although not obviously for Bundyaki, but if we just look yeah, back, I, I, you know, um, Ringrose and Anshaw, to be honest, are the centres that I would have wanted to see start the game anyway. Okay. And you're looking at um, like Carberry gives you a bit of flexibility, I suppose. With the, what you do 22, 23, but obviously it'll be Luke McGrath, Joey Carberry, and somebody else. I don't think that person would have been Bundy. I can notice every chance, just because I'm saying I would have won the Henshaw and Ringers, I think there's every chance that uh, Joe would have still won with Aki. Yeah. Um, I don't think it changes up what you're going to do too much. Yeah, just finally on Bundy, it's sort of, you, suppose you, you have to feel a little bit sorry for him. Well, uh, we're not surprised at the verdict of this. I don't think there is any intent in that tackle, rather, as Ireland have pointed out, it was split-second decisions, he didn't get down low enough, and it is what it is, but uh, you do have to feel, feel sorry for him. Absolutely, like, um, to miss time something, I think I saw today that it was 0.2 of a second, so two-tenths yeah. of a second is how much you miss time something by, and your World Cup's over, but it's unfortunately, um, we're in this sort of transition period, and these are the times that we're living in, like, um, they have to do everything that they can to eradicate contact to the head and the way to do that is maybe overly severe or what seems like overly severe sanctions because we've still seen lots of them and it's something the world rugby have said that they need to stamp out so it'll be interesting to see the next phase of it I suppose because you know there are many stats that would say that going lower and getting you know a knee to the head causes more concussion than um, going high and making contact with the head but uh, yeah I think as we all know it's probably it's difficult times for rugby as a sport and this is going to be one of the byproducts of it yeah so on to the game itself on Saturday where we saw Ireland get that 47-5 win over Samoa that looked after their own place in the quarterfinals although with Japan's victory on Sunday, it wasn't enough to get top spot. First of all, the game started very nicely indeed with that early try, and perfect from an Ulster point of view, who better to get it than Rory Best, answering the doubters once again? Yeah, I thought Rory played pretty well, to be honest. Um, for Berlard, not, to, not just the try, obviously, I thought. Yeah. Um, Berlard was on form as well, which is obviously, obviously massive. Um, because you really need to get that, you know, it's what we saw against Scotland, like you need to get that tight five firing, because when you do that, Ireland are a different team. Um, I thought like the performance against Samoa was an awful lot better. I don't think 
it was any coincidence one that it was played in uh, much cooler temperatures and two obviously the man wearing the tent shirt mm-hmm. yeah exactly who uh, with his two tries had a great game and combined very well with Connor Murray you mentioned Johnny Sexton having a good game but it was the first time the two of those guys have played together since what like midway through the Scotland game and yeah absolutely yeah and no coincidence that Ireland's two best performances have been Scotland and Samoa. Is that obvious? Well, obviously it is absolutely essential for Ireland that those two are on the pitch on Saturday and barring anything freaking training, that's going to be the case? Yeah, like, obviously there were four, we had four years basically post-Argentina of saying how important it was to build depth because we couldn't go in overly reliant on any one player anymore. They tried for a variety of reasons. It hasn't worked. They're still wholly reliant on Johnny Sexton. We've seen that at this World Cup. All of their best rugby has come when Sexton's played. I think I said it before the tournament. It's still true. They're going to go as far as he can take them. And as good as and as central to what they're trying to do as James Ryan is, mm-hmm. for me, Sexton, their 34-year-old out half is... You know, I, I don't know if there's a more important player to his team in World Rugby at the minute, I really don't. Yeah, no, I don't think many would, would argue with you there either. A man who was very important, very influential as well on Saturday was in the number 15 shirt, Jordan Larmer. His little pass inside, in particular for, I think it was Sexton's first try, wasn't it? That was my highlight of the game. I thought that was absolutely beautiful. But as a whole performance, Jordan Larmer has done an awful lot to, to give himself a chance to start in this weekend, doesn't he? I think at this World Cup in general, you know, um, mm. he played very well against Scotland. I've said a few times on this podcast that I have my doubts about him at fullback. Um, he's played very, very well at fullback. Um, obviously, he came in in the centre in the Japan game, didn't go well. He had the pass that got picked off um, by Fukuoka, who um, mm-hmm. got chased down by Earls. But, um, he did really well against Samoa when he came on, like, um, sorry, against Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, when he sparked, uh, sparked that last try, which was the best try that they scored. And it's a huge call. It's the huge call. The rest of the team, apart, you know, you could fill back and back row, and the rest of the team pretty much picks itself. <sighs> is this going to be Joe Smith's last game? Is he going to change so radically from what he's done before and drop Rob Carney? There's a lot of there's a lot of history to say that he won't. Yeah. But I don't know why I've just got, I've just got this feeling that he's gone to. And do you think that would be the correct decision? Who who for you should play? Oh, it's a tough one. Like few players have ever been written off more more times than um, Rob Carney and I at rugby. And you know, you even go back to Chicago twenty twenty sixteen when everyone had written him off and then he came in and uh, really had a huge game against the All Blacks, um, huge part of the reason why they had that first first victory. And he's played pretty decently himself mm-hmm. when he's played in this World Cup. It's just a matter of he's had a few niggling injuries and Larmer get Larmer gives you something different. Now, the issue is of course that the playing against Samoa is very different <laughs> playing against the All Blacks. Yeah. You know, you go back to the start of the Six Nations when Henshaw played uh, fullback. There's a very real propensity in this Ireland team to think that we can put somebody who's not Rob Carney back there and it'll all be fine. And then when they play a good team and he's not there, all of a sudden 
things look a bit of a shamble. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a huge call, uh, um, and that's why Jim Schmidt gets paid, paid what he does, because he's the one I has to decide ultimately. You've done very well there in not answering the question, so I'll ask it again. <laughs> For you, Larmer or uh, Carney, in a word? Very, very surprised, but I'm going to go Larmer. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think we need something extra yeah. to beat the All Blacks. But I also know that that's something extra to turn into a catastrophe <laughs> if, if that's the yeah. way it goes. And then if that happens, then obviously you're sitting thinking. <laughs> Never happens when all starts, you know. Yeah, as you say, you wouldn't really want to be in Joe Schmidt's shoes to make to make that call. So, just briefly, we'll do a, a full preview podcast for the New Zealand game on Thursday. But just briefly now, having seen what you saw against Samoa, uh, talk to the, the players and the coaches a little bit after that. What's your what's your gut feeling? Uh, right now, as things stand, and how well Ireland are prepared for this game. I think they're confident. I think that the Samoa game really has sort of cleansed the palate from the Japan loss in a way mm-hmm. that the Russia game probably never could, but certainly didn't on the back of the performance. Mm-hmm. I think that there's probably a feeling that they may be on their best day and match up better against the All Blacks than they did against South Africa. And I think that it's very rare to have. 30 players fit and fire in, in training. Yeah. At this point, it would be 31 if it wasn't for Bondi mm-hmm. being suspended. Uh, having said all that, I still think the All Blacks will win by 10. <laughs> you just had to throw in that little slice of negativity there. Um, how, how encouraging do you think the Samoa performance is? Because it was a very good performance, but on the flip side of it, it is Samoa, so... But then you have the, the red card to throw into it. Ireland were, played that game for so long with 14 men and in the second half were just camped inside the, the Samoan half of the pitch, which was very impressive. Uh, oh, it was, yeah. Like they played, they got their tactics spot on when they went down to 14, they tightened things up. And, you know, as you alluded to earlier there, this is a different team with Johnny Saxton's playing. Mm-hmm. But as much as I, uh, as much as I like Samoa, and as much as I want to see Samoa do well, you do have to say that there's a massive, massive difference coming this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, look, we'll talk all about that on Thursday, uh, whenever we, we are back to look, look ahead to that game, or you and Adam are back, I should say. But just finally, uh, after the weekend that it was, it would be remiss of us not to talk very briefly, at least, about Japan's performance against Scotland, because if... If Ireland were a little bit annoyed as to what Japan did to them, it would be ten times that for Scotland, who have been knocked out by Japan, and very deservedly so. What a game, what a performance from the hosts again. Yeah, I thought they were even better than they were against Ireland, to be honest. Um, that was like, you know, we talked sort of at length during the summer when they were going through the PNC about how good they were looking and how yeah. sharp they were looking. Yeah. But we always added, you know, that it was against... Tonga or was against USA or whatever there was always that caveat well they've done a night of two pretty good teams in Ireland and Scotland uh, one of whom was ranked number one in the world not that long ago yeah. and they're just unbelievable to watch like they really are the skills and the accuracy that they play with the 
energy that the player is just um, always running through the lines and you know nobody's they resource their rucks so well which is probably something that gets overlooked a wee bit they like they resource their rucks so well and that leaves other people running lines like there's never a wasted body going into a ruck now you can say whatever you like about the fact that they're getting away with clearing boys out of the ruck about 40 yards beyond it but um, <laughs> if yeah if you give them that then just the, their their handling in in running those lines, their inventiveness. Like you saw the um, Lafayette, he's been one of the players of the tournament so yeah. far. Really has um, his grubber three for uh, Fugioka for the try was just unbelievable. Like the vision and the uh, the vision to try it in the first place is one thing, but to be able to execute it. It's quite another, and like, you know, there were the stories of the last tournament having not got out of the pool stages, really, but they're the story of this tournament uh, again. And they're a better, much, much better team than they were before. Um, four years ago, like, we talked probably a fair bit over the summer about how we didn't think their scrum was as good. Well, they got scrum penalties last night, they got scrum penalties against Ireland, they mm-hmm. got scrum penalties against Samoa. Um, so we probably have to knock that on the head to be honest with you their scrum's not as good because um, Steve Porter's not there anymore um, and then Tony Brown obviously just what, what he's implementing an attack and Jimmy Joseph the head coach like what he's basically put the players through so that they they look like the fittest team in the tournament they play at the highest tempo you know we know that they were targeting 50 minutes of Playtime, which is just off the charts, but everything that they're doing is uh, is coming off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you wouldn't bet against it still coming off this weekend against South Africa either at this stage. Uh, but I suppose for that game, everybody in the world's going to be a Japan fan, bar South Africans and probably Scottish people. But, uh, We'll be back with you then on Thursday once we know the Ireland team uh, that will face New Zealand. So until then, have a good time in Japan. You're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Wee Missoula, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockers Nationwide. So Ulster have got their season back on track then with that 42-17 win over Southern Kings on the line to talk through that with us is Adam McHenry. Hello Adam. Hey guys, how's it going? All good, all good. Uh, you're in an airport but you're not coming back from South Africa. Tell us a little bit about where you're going. <laughs> yes, uh, actually I've just been in Glasgow and I ended up watching a Scotland game with the Scottish fans who were <laughs> very disappointed with uh, that defeat in Japan. It's, it's amazing how badly they took us. You know, we, we thought Ireland losing to Japan was uh, awful, but they took it even worse. They were mm-hmm. utterly devastated that they're not through to the knockouts, but at the same time, how great is it to see Japan in the knockouts at their own World Cup, uh, going through the top of the group. They're mm-hmm. going to play the Springboks again, which I'm sure will bring back great memories for them. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I will admit I was a bit of a Japan fan among Scotland fans on Sunday, but... <laughs> Absolutely, uh, you wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, no, probably for your, for your own safety. You you wouldn't be surprised to see Japan, um, given South Africa's serious difficulties, the way they've been playing, either. You know what? I think one of the biggest things about Japan is they're just playing with that freedom. 
So we are here not to talk about the World Cup, but to talk about Ulster and their big win. Um, before we get on to the match itself, probably what people are keen to know is do we have any update on Stuart McCloskey, who was back from injury but went off injured? We don't yet. Um, he did lift off in the 45th minute of the game. That's nothing to get too concerned about. What we definitely shouldn't be concerned about is Marcel Kutsia, who is back from injury. No issues there, and safe to say it was a very successful return. Doing the bare minimum. Well, I think one of the things that's going to be lost in this game is because of the scoreline. You know, you look 
had the game limited to just seven points in the second half, and up to the try at the end of the first half, they would have kept them limited to just three points in the first half as well. So, offensively, I don't think there's much things to be said. Also, they play the game a lot better than the game did, and that they play the expansive open game a lot better. Their counter-attack was fantastic. John Kay, I thought, was exceptional for scrum half. He really brought the pace up. He's going to not tear right by the back row, and that will attend with Billy Burns to pull the strings from half-back. And then, just whenever the game opened up, Ulster were so much better than the Kings. But focus on that defensive performance. Up against it for long periods of time, with the ball that was going backwards at every opportunity, they somehow produced a brilliant scramble defense over and over and over. Keith Kings limited to two tries. I think that a much more positive thing to take from the game than six tries and a bonus point. The fact that under stage, Ulster came up big time and time again, and I think that's something that Dan McFarlane might come away happier with than yeah. the bonus point. Yeah. Let's talk. A, we talked a lot about Ryan Pienaar last week. Let's talk a little bit about his replacement this week because John Cooney got his two tries, but on top of that, was really uh, back to probably up there around his best. Well, he wasn't given an easy job of it last week at Brimson because the backer was beaten up by the Chiefs back row mm-hmm. He was never given quick balls, so we're always struggling to recycle quickly, and that meant that he wasn't getting the ball he needed. He had an off strike, and they re- he really needed a bounce back performance at the weekend, maybe more than some. But whenever you've got a back row that performed as well as Ulster's did, you've got Katia back to add that dual breakdown spread alongside Sean Reedy. He was getting quick ball every time. His pass was crisp, it was quick. He showed an eye for the line as well, getting over first two tries. It was just him back to his best. It just showed whenever Ulster can give any quick ball, he is one of the best scrum halves out there because he has that eye, he has the quick pass that we know he has. We've seen all this before in previous years. The back row is just so important for Ulster. When they're providing John Cooney with quick ball, they have no problem. Cooney is one of the most reliable guys out there. It's just, that's just what we saw in Port Elizabeth. Whenever you give him that quick ball, he will have a great game. And we've seen that for a few seasons now. So the, the new signings as well, Matt Fathis obviously got over uh, for his try, Sam Carter was there as well, a few games in. What what have we seen from those two guys so far? Well, Fathis is one that's very interesting for me because he has been Ulster's standout uh, back three player. He's really good offensively. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's something that's very obvious just, just by watching him, by using the eye test. Whenever he gets the ball, he's always looking for that gap. He's always looking for that X-factor play. And you would always back him to pull it off as well. It's not like he's going for it and he's messing it up every time. He pulls it off and he really brings an extra dimension to Ulster's back three. The mm-hmm. problem is he's turning over the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. So you have to take good with the bad. Whenever he's good, he finds that break. He finds that clean break. He beats the defender. Uh, you get go forward ball, but occasionally he'll give away that turnover in a good position, and that's the frustration. So, and I think he's had a really good start. He just needs to clean it up a wee bit. Instead of looking for an offload, he just needs to take contact. Instead of looking for a pass, he just needs to take contact. Uh, and I think if he, if he can clean that up, he's going to be a really, really solid contributor to Ulster. 
you know, missing coming off the back of getting to the Super Rugby final. So no. he, he's played a lot of rugby in 2019 alone, let alone going back to the start of the 2018 season. Mm. So he's come in and he's running the line out very well in the loose. He's not having the same impact that I think Ulster maybe thought he might have. And if you look at the stats, he's being overshadowed in terms of metres per carry by Alan O'Connor and Karen Treadwell. Bevel's tackling more than he is as well. So if, if you look at the stats, it suggests that he, he's not really performing to the same standard as the other guys in, in the second row at the moment, but that he, he's got to get on time. And then Ulster will benefit from him having a rest this week. He'll be able to just sit back and relax and not really put the same stress on his body that he has coming over to Ulster. Um, he, he's just going to settle in a bit more. But once he does, he, he's a quality player. He's been up to the wall of it, he's been up to the front He's a real leader in the second row, a real grind hot block who will do the hard work that maybe isn't quite seen on the stat sheet. Uh, but he does still need to settle in a wee bit. He, he hasn't quite had the height that the Ulster hoped he was. But it, it'll come. I, I thought Saturday was his best performance so far. But I think, again, that's just uh, a sense of all playing more and just getting in with the structures, just getting settled into what Ulster are trying to do into the new system. And one piece will be better than I, I think you'll be fine. It's just at the moment, it's just a wee bit wrong. Yeah. So, I noticed on your live blog on Saturday, your selection for Man of the Match was Luke Marshall. Tell, tell us a little bit about his performance. I thought he was just excellent. I thought in the first half, he was excellent with ball in hand. He was, I think he benefited from having Stuart Kutsky inside him. The physical was slight on James Good, but whenever you're playing with the younger guy inside you, there's a lot more responsibility on your shoulders to be the reliable guy, the solid guy that you can go to if the guy inside you isn't performing well, he switched 12 and 13 and, and he maybe put a bit more pressure on his shoulders. Whenever he brings Stuart McCluskey back in, that pressure's lifted. You've got two veteran guys in the centre of the park, two guys who've been there and done that. And that means, you know, there's not quite so much responsibility put on Marshall. I think that allowed him to open up the game a bit more. He was adding a few more steps. He was taking the ball to the line a lot more than what he was against the Ospreys and the Cheetahs, and it just allowed him to showcase the kind of play that we saw whenever he broke off of the scene. You know, whenever he gets running, Marshall's a tough man to stop. He's a strong guy. He plays a very physical style um, that I think a lot of people forget about because you've got McCluskey inside him, who is the super physical center. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought just in the first half, he messed it up a lot. He, he took it to the line. Um, he, he allowed McCluskey to be the foil. So McCluskey still carries, but when he has him inside trying defenders, he can pass out the back to, Hitler, to Marshall and the gaps open up for him. I just thought it was a really good performance and he was really solid defensively as well as the whole team were. Um, I, I definitely have him mm-hmm. on the match. I, I mm-hmm. thought he was excellent on Saturday. Yeah. Well, that's the trip to South Africa over there in Ulster. Uh, when all said and done, take home six points, which it, we might not have been entirely happy with ahead of the trip but if we now look back at it I've made this point with Michael last week that Glasgow didn't get a bonus point against the Cheetahs now Munster have gone there and also failed to get a bonus point looking back could in a few months time could we be going well actually that was uh, a very fruitful trip for Ulster and that bonus point maybe could be uh, could be key at some stage yeah but if you looked at the trip beforehand and you said you'll take 
was up, they probably would have backed themselves to get a result in Brooklyn teams. Now, when I'm even back on, yeah, a point for Brooklyn team could be extremely valuable from the end of the season. Especially, we know how bad Ulster have been taking the most of picking up points whenever they can. Mm-hmm. And in previous years, not getting a bonus point here and there cost them. So for them to pick up a bonus point where other teams aren't is massive. And then obviously taking five points from the Kings was their uh, minimum, of course. We mm-hmm. want to, especially having uh, having lost at Brooklyn here. So looking back on it now, yeah, six points is a great return from South Africa. They're sitting four points behind the Cheetahs with Leicester in Conference Bay after three games going into this first break. Um, I, I think they'll be happy enough with where they are. They'd obviously like to be top of the table, you know, then let's not get away from them. But at the same time, oh, being in that position, sitting comfortably ahead of Glasgow and the Ospreys, who probably be the two teams you would have thought would have been challenging for the top three as well. They'll be they'll be happy enough and to come away from uh, from South Africa so early in the season, having gelled a few of their new guys, having brought a few young guys on, you know, like as Curtis made in the appearance on Saturday, you know, his first and I think eleven months or something like that. You know, so the little things from this trip that they'll take away them, they'll be very happy from them. Yeah. Just to be in the position they are on the table. I, I think they'll take that. Um, especially considering, you know, they've got Cardiff at home and Cleaver at home coming up next. Yeah. You would be thinking potentially ten points from those two games. So if you're sitting on twenty one points after five games, mm-hmm. you'll know that you'll not fall out with that. And then you can go to Munster and really give it a go the week before you're Yeah. So that's a week off for Ulster now then. That leaves all attention turning to Japan and to Ireland's game just very quickly on, on the World Cup and on Ireland's game against New Zealand. How are you feeling ahead of that one? Um, not confident. I will be perfectly honest with you. Look, like I said it from the very beginning, I think the All Blacks are the best team in the world. I don't think anything has changed regardless of their rugby championship performances. I think you see during the World Cup just how they're slowly building their knots. They're not tearing teams apart. I know they put up a lot of points in the media, but you know, that's the media, you can take that with a pinch of salt, but they're just slowly building at the right time. I still think they're the team to beat. And do I think Ireland have done enough during this World Cup to convince me that they have it within them to beat the All Blacks? I, I don't think so. I think the All Blacks are still just a step above them. I think if Schmidt can come up with the right game plan, and I'm sure he's been preparing for this for a long time, I'm sure he has a game plan in his back pocket, specifically tailored to the All Blacks. If he can come up with the right game plan, I'm sure I would be close, but I just think the All Blacks have too much. And it pains me to say because, you know, it would be another quarterfinal loss for Ireland and they'll, they'll have plenty of motivation to go and win the game, specifically to get past the quarterfinal. Because this is probably the first quarterfinal they've had in a while where they haven't been expected to win up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, ju- I just think the All Blacks have too much in this game. I, I hope to be great from. Yeah. I think the key is Ireland have a full team to select from. Yeah. Barring somebody yeah. asking, depending on how, how his, uh, his tri- tribunal comes back. But mm-hmm. they have a full team to select from, which they haven't had for a while. So that's the only thing that they can fall back on. And they can go out there, they can put it all on the line. And I think they'll, they'll certainly come away from the game with no regrets in terms of how they play and 
Well, look, time will tell. You will be back on Thursday with Jonathan to get a full preview of that game once we know the Ireland team, which will be, be fairly interesting in itself. So, uh, until then, uh, thank you very much. You've been listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide.